2: Good afternoon and welcome to another hour, well less than an hour, 55 minutes less commercial breaks. It's somewhere around 48 minutes, (laughs) folks. Welcome to another 48 minutes with Woods and Water, South Carolina. Thank you to Taylor for being with me again today. Not going to say anything, are you?
3: No, kind of my job. I'm just kidding. I love being on your show. Thank you for letting me.
2: On my show. Did y'all hear that? My show.
3: Can we not make a big deal out of
2: so it? So your
3: subconscious actually showed
2: through, uh-huh. and you hit the truth uh-huh. for once.
3: Uh-huh. By
2: mm-hmm. the way, when am I going to get the replacement tuna snack packs that you so <laughs> thoughtfully labeled as old man food the other day?
3: Um... <laughs> <laughs> I'll get back to you on that one.
2: Folks were right on the boat the other day, and she gets hungry. And I told her, I said, you know, you might want to get some snacks and all that. I'll be hungry. whatever, you know. Okay. So she does. She gets hungry. And she starts digging through my snack bag, looking for something to eat. And she gets out with of these little, what is it, little tuna little in the can, got mustard and a package of mayonnaise and a package of crackers and some, you know, Cucum, uh <laughs> Cucum. Some, sweet, some sweet relish or whatever she messes in <laughs> with it and all. And she's up there eating it. And I'm like, she goes, hey, This is like, this must be like old men eat this stuff on the boat. And I said, Yeah, it's pretty good. I've learned to enjoy it over the years. So I guess you could say it's old man stuff. So she griped and complained about it for a few more minutes. Well, the other day, she comes down to my office and starts pilfering through some stuff. I said, What are you doing? She goes, I'm hungry. And I said, "Whoa! Just hang on, just a second now. What are you doing?" She goes, "I want one of those tuna thing snacks." So she grabbed one before I could get to her and she, up the stairs and all. So I'm waiting <laughs> for reimbursement, two tuna snack packs, and an apology for labeling it old man food.
3: Okay, but how many times have you stolen like my popsicles in there or? Well, let's
2: go back to the fact that who bought my all that milkshake
3: stuff? Or- who bought all that
2: stuff to begin with?
3: I buy my milkshakes.
2: Oh, you, know, you don't. Know. I you do. do. not.
3: I do. I buy my milkshakes, and you always ask, Did you bring me something? Yes, Dad, I brought you half my milkshake.
2: Well, you offered me half your milkshake. I didn't steal it. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I can't even bring chocolate many, home.
2: Dads, don't wreck or anything, but how many raise your right hand if <laughs> you've, you've, this is your daily life, too? Just raise. I see their hands raised all <laughs> over South Carolina, North Carolina, Georgia and parts of Tennessee right now. I just hope we don't have any massive pileups on I-26 or I-95 so. And if you can sympathize or empathize, thank you. Uh, yeah. Oh, let you love your the, life. Put the bill but never get any kind of credit.
3: Uh, excuse me.
2: So, anyway, but you did admit it's my show. That's worth something okay. today. But anyway, we are hope you're having a great weekend. Uh, the weather is wonderful. Although it's summertime, folks. As somebody was complaining to me the other day, God, it's so hot. I said, it's the middle of June. This, this is South Carolina. We had an unusually cool and wet April and May, and now it's summertime. And it, it's going to be this way through the middle of September, end of September. on the boat season. Oh. Ugh. I really enjoy boat hunting, but sitting in the middle of, um, sitting in the in the hot stand, tree stand, sweating, <laughs> just right now it's just the last thing I want to do. But now you know. But
3: now I get to do it with you.
2: Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> Another thing that is forever lost to being just. My <laughs> <own>. <laughs> Excuse
3: me. <laughs> Who took my boat out the other day without me?
2: Uh, well, you were busy doing something else.
3: Oh, yeah. You made me go with Jordan so you could have it all to yourself. I know, I I know you
2: what it good. was. I did not make you, mm. you. Oh, yes, but you did. You went willingly. Oh, no.
3: I no, you, you said did. go with your sister. I'll go take the boat out. <laughs> you know, right. Make sure it runs good it on Murray. It was fun, too. Or on the heart wall. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was
2: good. Well, actually, I went and took a sponsor. I took Neil Paul from Visit Anderson fishing.
3: Ugh. So I'm sorry. Daddy. Daddy. You would rather take Neil over me?
2: <laughs> you don't want to hear the answer to that. <laughs> you really don't want to ask that question either. Ouch! So anyway, yeah, the fishing is uh, it, its hit or miss. It really is. You'll go and you'll have a good day, and then you go the next day or a few days later, and it's just like, where'd all the fish go?
3: And it's even worse when you go and you... Get barely anything, and then you come home to one of your friends saying, "Oh yeah, I, my, me and my buddy caught like a twenty-nine pound bag off this place in Hartwell." Oh really? You want you want to send me a pin to where I can go and yeah, do really. that?
2: Ugh. It's okay.
3: It is, fun. Fine.
2: fine. You'll have days like this, and, those, and and days like that make you appreciate, really appreciate the days when you when you wear them out. <laughs> <laughs> We almost suspended the calendar of events because, man, if you look, everything has just been canceled, and people are not Still. even. Yeah, people are really not even rescheduling things. They're trying to, but they can't get the permits. Or, or uh, you know, we're lucky to have the Elite Series fishing on Eufala, and uh, we have um, MLF down on Kissimmee, heavy hitters. So at least, you, at least, how many? Have you, again, all you, all you fishermen out there, raise your hands without causing traffic accidents. How many have been? have been dual screening this week MLF <laughs> and Bass, Bass Live. How many of you? I have. No problem admitting yep. that at all.
3: I do really hope we all got to listen to Davy Hyde talk a little bit about brush piles the other day.
2: That was good. That
3: was very good.
2: Davy's a Davy's <laughs> a wealth of knowledge he really
3: is. I think that I mean I've said it before I could just sit there and listen to him talk for <laughs> for hours. Yep.
2: Well, we don't have hours. All right. we don't have ours uh, <laughs> we like like we we're gonna we we're going we we're gonna just give, do away with it, but we got a few things that are happening so Taylor, the, <laughs> some of them are virtual, but you know some of them are actually in in yeah. person so and this
3: one's actually in person this one's in person um the St Andrews bass anglers is starting a night trail starting this month um it will be out of Shell Island on Lake Murray. It will be 7 p.m. to 11 p.m. Current club members do not need a membership, but for everyone else, there will be a one-time membership of $20. Um, The dates will be June. It was June 4th, 11th, 18th, and 25th, but we have passed the 4th and 11th. So you'll have there every Thursday night, so you'll have them next Thursday and then the Thursday after that. July 9th, 16th, 23rd, and 30th, and August 6th. 13th, 20th, and 27th. Um, there will be a three-fish limit. No penalty for dead fish, but you cannot cull a dead fish. $40 per boat, um, $10 per person for big fish. Um, if you want to get more information, contact Luke Rogers at 803-465-7258 or message him on Facebook.
2: At St. Andrew's Bass Anglers. Mm-hmm. Whew. Get that, folks? Thursday nighter. <laughs> <laughs> Taylor's like, what are all these numbers here? They're not dates. I'm like, "What well, was like 13?" Like... <laughs>
3: yeah, t- it's, I had a blonde moment. I okay,
2: so. <laughs> a blonde moment. This is, this is a virtual one. Uh, frequent, or, or I would say frequent guest, but he's on here a couple times a year. Uh, Scott Lace, the sporting chef and uh, host of Dead Meat and Outdoor Channel's Mike Robinson to appear virtually at Series Fest on Sunday, July 23 23- First at 3:30 p.m. Mountain Time, get that. That's 3:30 on Mountain Time. That would be uh, 5:30 Eastern Time. Uh, wild game Chef share secrets to cooking dead meat and farming the wild with Denver restaurateur and chef Elise Wiggins. So, Sportsman Channel host and executive chef Scott Lacyth, uh, dead meat sporting chef, and Outdoor Channel host and executive chef Mike Robinson, farming the wild, we can make a virtual appearance at at Series Fest in Denver on Sunday, June 21st, sharing secrets for cooking wild game and discuss their upcoming show seasons. So, that's uh, pretty good. And look, Dead Meat is about finding interesting people who have a passion for making some of the ugliest critters in the world taste delicious. <laughs> and that's true. Look at Dead Meat, and uh, and you'll see it. Uh-oh. Well, we are really, I blew past that. Uh, <laughs> blew past that one. Thanks for giving me that. Warning.
3: You're uh, welcome. Maybe I should run the show from now on.
2: No, that won't happen. <laughs> but anyway, that's a uh, virtual one, June 21st. Hope you will uh, tune in for that one. Mm-hmm. Could be fun. He's always a good one. And there, there's a couple more, and we'll, uh, we'll get to that uh, in the next segment. So y'all hang on, and uh, we'll be back after the break. Oh, oh by the way, we're going to talk to uh, we have an interesting discussion next segment, so be sure to hang in there. That'd be fun. Not trying to put anybody to sleep today, Emma Taylor.
3: No, but you're trying to annoy the heck out of me with <laughs> I music. do that.
2: Just I do I do that when I breathe in the morning. So <laughs> that's, actually, that's actually true. Well, we uh, well, welcome back to Woods and Water, South Carolina. Uh, glad you're tuning in. We have a, you know, it, things come along, especially when you do as much when you get as many press releases and you, you you do as much social media stuff as we do here. Things come along and they, they just kind of hit you and you're going, that's good radio. That's a good discussion we need to be having. And I know it's summertime, everybody's thinking about fishing and all that, but this is specifically hunting related. Uh, at least this article. This article came out of, uh, Northwoods Collective. The message of conservation has failed. I did a little research on them and, and if you go to their website, um, you can't argue with this. There, there are four bullet points they've got to find nature no matter where it is, to live the traditions of mankind, to inspire generations to come, to rediscover the outdoors. That's kind of why this whole radio show was formed, to, for, to get people out, to rediscover the outdoors. So this came out of him, and, and I didn't get this directly. I saw it on social media, and the person that shared it is Scott Vance. And, uh, Scott, you were—you should not have answered that, that uh, <laughs> Facebook message, my friend. <laughs> good. We're good with it. <laughs> but, but it did. Scott shared it, there, and immediately there was some really good conversation. There were some really good comments about hunting is, is is hunting conservation. Can you be a conservation, not a hunter? On and on and on. I was like, this is good. I gotta, I gotta get Scott on here. We gotta talk about this. So, welcome to Woods and Water, South Carolina. Take just a minute, tell us, uh, give us a little bit of your background, the outdoors maybe, and what you're doing right now, and then we'll dive into this one.
1: Sure, yeah. Thanks thanks a bunch for having me on. Um yeah, I've got a um a pretty long history in conservation. I actually grew up in western North Carolina okay. and my my grandpa liked to say I was the best jump dog that he ever had. He was, <laughs> when I went to college he was really sad because all the rest of the dogs would just staying in the row and, and jump the rabbit. But um I, I grew up hunting and fishing. I was really one of the lucky ones. I had um grandparents that loved hunting fish. They took me all the time. So I've really never known a life where we didn't have hunting and fishing. Right. You know, it's just part of my DNA. It's part of who I am. And so, um, went to college, uh, got my master's degree at Clemson University. Don't hold that against me.
2: Oh, and, not, uh, not on this show.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and so then I became a professional in the wildlife field and uh, I worked for a couple of different state agencies. I worked for, uh, a really popular, well-known, wonderful organization there in South Carolina for about 17 years called yep. the National Wild Turkey Federation. Ended up being their senior VP for conservation for many years. And then uh, most recently, I have been the CEO and executive director for the Union Sportsman's Alliance here out of um, central Tennessee, middle Tennessee, uh, near Franklin, Tennessee. Okay. And so um, with that, I've got to experience a a lot of different conservation aspects. And so my heart is really – and my passion is really all about introducing the next generation to the outdoors and, quite honestly, making sure that I leave a legacy and my organizations leave a legacy that's going to live on long after I'm gone. And so the the recruitment, retention, reactivation – we call it R3 aspects – Uh, all of the things that center around creating uh, this next generation of outdoor women and men, um, it's what I live for. It's what I'm all about.
3: That's so cool. So what is your take on the R3 movement? What does that mean to you, and what are your thoughts on that?
1: Well, you know, uh, I would say that my viewpoint has evolved a lot over the years. Uh, Certainly when I started out as a, a biologist, one down in Florida, you know, my primary job was to, to run the, the, uh, the managed hunts, go out and do surveys. It was a wonderful job. I wish I could go back and do it again. I spent about <laughs> tw- 12 hours a day out in the field chasing snakes and lizards and turtles and doing fish surveys and catching alligators. And, you know, every now and then I'd run a hunt or two and, and do some seminars, but it's a great job. And at that point in my career, I kind of just thought everybody hunted and fished, right? I, right? I didn't really realize that not everybody thought like, you know, me. Um, and and so it wasn't until I went to Missouri and moved into a supervisory role there that I started to realize, you know what? We have a lot of different stakeholders in this world. So there's a lot of people that use our public lands, that use our resources, that enjoy and appreciate wildlife. They don't hunt and fish. And the question that I always had was why, you know, why are they non-consumptive users and how do we take those non-consumptive users and consumptive users and, co- and, and find common ground, find that commonality that drives everybody to do the right thing. And then throughout my career, um, I've been really, really heavily involved in everything from the fact that if we don't create more hunters, if we don't have uh, more people hunting and buying licenses and quite honestly buying all of the sporting goods firearms ammunition fishing rods bows archery equipment if we don't have those things the very basis for funding and the north american model that we live by here in the united states for wildlife management and so there's an urgency um, that all wildlife professionals feel to recruit that next generation and keep this going. But there's a conversation that has to be had about how do we do that? How do we do that in an ever-changing culture? How do we do that when kids would rather play Fortnite than go outside and sit in a deer stand when it's cold?
2: Kids right? kids, and adults. Kids and
1: adults, you're right. <laughs> so, um, you know, you ask how, how my viewpoint's changed, and, I, and I'll tell you it. Um, I've grown – to realize that I only approach people the way that I learned to hunt and I only approach the future in the mindset that I personally have based on all of my personal biases and experiences, we will fail. Yeah. We will fail. We are failing. I have to be more open-minded. Yeah, we are failing. We are failing. At a rapid
2: pace. Yeah.
1: And so I've got to be more open-minded and quite honestly, I don't have all the answers. People your age, people my son's age, people who have never hunted and fish and never even thought about it, that probably the only thing they know about hunting and fishing is uh, somebody killed Bambi, right? Yep. Bad guys killed Bambi. All right. Those are the people we actually need to talk to. Those are the people we need to embrace and we need to find out, how to make them want to support conservation and how do we use what we learn from them to create that next generation of anglers, hunters, and conservationists.
2: This article starts out talking about Arthur a little bit and, and it it the first paragraph, conservation is a lousy carrot. And I encourage you to go to Northwoods Collective and read the article. It you know, it's it's right there. And it goes to an example. Um uh, you know, seven, eight year old hockey players, you know, they're in the third period. If you're a hockey fan, you know that's the final period. If you're not a hockey fan, it's the final period. Uh <laughs> you know, there's just a few minutes left, you know, it's you know what it's like to be in one of those uh, basketball games where there's just seconds left and your free throws and all that. You know, um, it goes through. I was proud of these kids. They've been hustling hard, doing the little things, you know, trying to keep trying to keep them going, you know, and they go out there and um, they win the game. Sudden death overtime, beautiful goal, boom, boom, boom. You know, the, the, the kid who's not the great hockey player scores a winning goal. Been interrupted. They're all, you know, excited and all. In the end, they want ice cream. And he talks about, you know, to them, that win's great, but the ice cream is what they appreciate more than the win. And um, pick it up from there and talk just a little bit about what it goes on to say about R3 and, and what we're doing using conservation in our discussions with non-hunters and all sure
1: absolutely well i'll tell you the first time i ever saw the whole ice cream analogy and as a matter of fact that's become an analogy with me and my staff my my executive team i I sent that article to all of them and i said hey you know when we think about messaging with our organization when we think about how we tell our story are we really telling the story that we want to tell are we telling the story that they need to hear because what's what's their ice cream? Right. What's mm-hmm. driving? Yeah. What's driving people to join our organization and get involved with our projects and do do volunteer work? Because if we're not thinking about that and we're just saying, well, we wish everybody would think this way or we wish everybody would respond to what we say in this manner. um, You know, we're not going to reach a lot of people. We're, we're as they say, we're preaching to the choir. And I think we right. preach to the choir long enough. Yes. You know, I think the choir is pretty devout. They come to church every week. But uh, it may be the people that don't come to church that we need to be preaching to. And so um, that's, you know, that's what I saw in this article was the fact that, you know, the we're trying to sell a concept or a mindset or even an identity to people uh, as a conservationist, right? We all talk about, Hey, conservation is the reason I do this. And it may very well be the reason that I do it, but it wasn't the reason that I started doing it. No, it absolutely wasn't the reason I started doing it. When I was sitting out on a stump with a 20 gauge slug and, 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 you know, um, I just wanted to kill a deer. That's
2: exactly right. And I right. wanted
1: to do it. I wanted to do it fast because I was freezing <laughs> to death and my clothes were terrible. Yes. And my feet were wet and, I just wanted to kill a deer. And when I killed that deer, I wanted to to show all my buddies, you know, and I wanted to celebrate with my friends and my family, all those people that I saw as heroes that I'd seen kill deer for years. It wasn't until, you know, I probably was in my 30s that I started thinking about, you know, why do I do this? (laughs) Why why, why do I work so hard on this stuff? Why have I made it my career? Uh, why Why have I started appreciating sunrises? So much that sometimes I'm just kind of mesmerized by that, and I don't even hear a deer walking up on me, right? Been there. Been it, there. It, 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 you mature more as you get older. But you've got these folks who we're just getting them started. And so the analogy of the hockey game and the fact that, hey, um, I'm not really interested in winning, <laughs> yeah. you know? Yeah. But my dad said if I scored a goal, I got ice, ice cream. So right. That's awesome. Yep. We've got to really think about that. We've got to really think about who is our constituent? Who, who are the people that we're trying to reach? And why do they even care about getting outdoors? What are they doing? You know, I've seen a, a huge movement right here in middle Tennessee. I see it a lot. I'm seeing it even more during this, this pandemic. Yeah.
2: Hang, tell you what, people Scott. Just, yes, sir. hang, hang on. We're going to, we're going to break here. <laughs> okay, to yeah, a, yeah, yeah. Um, let's, uh, let's take a break, folks. Hang on to that thought, Scott, because I want you to come back and start right there. I'm not going to interrupt you again. Uh, but Thanks. let's take a break, Absolutely. and uh, we'll be back with Scott Vance and more Woods & Water, South Carolina. Thanks. Welcome back to Woods and Water, South Carolina. I, I hope by now that, you know, a lot of those husbands who went blind after being home with their wives for so long, oh their eyesight's gosh. returned. <laughs> <laughs> Would you agree, Scott? Oh, yeah. Okay. okay. <laughs> my wife's
1: ready for me to go back
2: on the road. <laughs> oh, me. I go blind. Good song, though. Good good artist. Okay, Scott, i got to ask every time I play this, I have to ask my guest. Now, is that Hootie and the Blowfish, or is that Darius Rucker?
1: <laughs> I'm going to say that's Hootie and the Blowfish. Yes. I, I <laughs> <about> you, <laughs> <laughs> uh, God, love that one. Take that, Taylor. Uh- <laughs> you <don't> like
2: that. <laughs> I'm old school. Oh, old school, yes, yes. Well, <laughs> oh, that's great. Well, look, I, I, I hope I haven't gotten you off, but I want you to go back to right where you were when we ended the segment. Sure, Just it sure. that and roll well, on.
1: Yeah, you know, what I was saying was that this pandemic, Um, has brought out something here locally and I'm certain nationwide. Um, that's interesting. And that's the fact that, you know, people are tired of being indoors, but they don't want to go to areas where there's a big crowd. They don't, they don't want to, you know, expose themselves to any unnecessary danger. And that's a good thing, but people getting outside, people that I've never seen walk in the neighborhood are getting outside, people that have never ridden a bike before or buying a bicycle. You know, sporting goods sales as far as fishing gear and, and some of the basic entry-level stuff. Through the roof. Skyrocketing. <laughs> it's through the roof. Yes. Go to the store. Try to find some of it. It's empty. It's all sold out. Yeah, yeah. They've sold out of everything and can't yep. get any more to restock. And yep. so it's a very interesting um thing that's happened, right? It's a side effect of the fact that people just can't get out and socialize in the way that they were accustomed to doing. So now they're they're picking up on these things. And if you think about it, it's, it's like stepping back in time 25 or 30 years back to when you and I were just starting to cut our teeth, really, yep. and be sportsmen. Yep. And we didn't have a whole lot of other stuff to do. There wasn't a movie theater on every corner. We didn't have Netflix. We didn't have all of the social things that are available to people now. And all the different ways that they socialize. And so our hunting and angling, that was our social outreach. That was the way that we socialized. That was the way that we got back to our spiritual center. And I love seeing people get out now. I hope that it doesn't change. I hope when things get back to somewhat normal, people keep doing that, that they figure out, hey, I enjoy this. This is fun. This is great family time. And, and so.
2: And you've hit on it right there. Great family time. So that, I, like you, have seen more social media posts of families outdoors, whether it be just yep. going for a hike, walking to a waterfall. Uh, we went out walking. We went out biking together. Or something. It, It's been great to see the family units and all this outdoor stuff.
1: Totally agree. Could not agree more. And, and honestly, we've worked so hard through the R3 programs, all the state agencies, many, many of the conservation nonprofits spent, Tons of time, thousands and thousands of hours, uh, literally millions of dollars trying to create these programs to do this. And the reality is our culture is going to drive it. It's yeah. not a program. It's not something that you can just insert, you know, um, some money here or insert some capacity here or insert a program over there. This actually has to be cultural. It has to be a cultural change. And the primary thing, and I've said this for years and years and years, and I don't have the answer. I don't even proclaim to know where to start. But we've got to make hunting and fishing cool. We've got to make it look like something that people would enjoy, and we've got to change the perception of it from something that just old rednecks, like me and you do, (laughs) to something that, man, that sounds fun. It sounds cool. My friends are going to think that that's cool. I can do that with my friends and my family, and it's something that takes me away from the typical hustle and bustle and the stress that I'm under, whatever that stress is at whatever point in your life, and it's relaxing. you know. It, it allows me to be at one with nature, um, but we can't sell. That goes right back to the article where we're trying to sell conservation. Conservation is a, uh, an action uh, and it's a mindset. Right. And it would be similar to going, OK, I'm going to I'm going to I'm read an article on philosophy. And then I'm going to try to make you a great philosopher because <laughs> you need to really enjoy and appreciate It's like you ever have to do poetry when you're uh, in school. Taylor. Uh, you yes. had to do like the, hi, the, oh, haiku, yes. the haiku poem that you just oh, like no, you're no, like, no. I don't even understand what that means. It's, it's, it's horrible.
3: It's just I mean, a bunch of
1: words on a page. Exactly. Well, that's, that's what we're doing to a lot of people. We're yeah. going, "Hey, you should be a conservationist." Here's what it's all about, and they haven't even taken that first step. Yeah. You know, they haven't even they haven't even got out there and enjoyed the sunrise yet. And quite honestly, they haven't done the basic. They haven't got their ice cream. That's <laughs> right. Know, yep. We're, we're we're taking them a full course meal and telling them to build a restaurant. And they haven't even got the ice cream yet, and so we got to figure out how, what that ice cream is, and it's it's something different to a lot of different groups. We got to find some commonality, and quite honestly, we've got to check our preconceived notions, our biases, and maybe more importantly, for some of us old Caucasian fellas, our egos. Yeah. At the door, yeah. and we got to say we got to suck it up and go. You know what? What would you
2: like to do? <laughs> the Taylor. end. Taylor, what Especially. do you see? What do you see in your age group?
3: I mean, anything outdoors. I mean, you know, my friends—they haven't grown up in families with big outdoors, like parents or siblings. But I do. I have over the years gotten some friends that have, mostly from the fishing side of things. I have a lot of friends that fish, um, like high school tournaments, and so it's kind of spread throughout my friend group and they've kind of seen like, oh, this is this is a fun thing. This is something that, you know, it it seems like they're having fun and they get congratulations on your big fish, or your personal best and like that and they're seeing that but it's uh, it feels like it's a whole different playing field when you mention hunting because that there again, mm-hmm. you're killing Bambi. That's what they see. And yep. for a lot of the I mean for a lot of the years like middle school was pretty hard because, you know, the more I mentioned hunting like i my friends would be like what are you doing this weekend i'm like oh i'm gonna go to the farm and hunt my dad and they're like oh you're you're gonna go kill an innocent animal and i'm like
2: yeah and i'm yeah. gonna eat it too <laughs> yeah. yeah and that's We're it and it's like it and exactly
3: yeah. and i'm just like then you get to the point where you're like what do i do like you you kind of feel like you got the wind knocked out of you you're like because i really i am killing something but it's not just for fun it's it's to make memories. It's to provide food for my family and all but this, but they don't understand
2: it, that. But part of it is accomplishment.
3: It is accomplishment because you mean, you're doing something good. You're, like, population control, and you're – I mean, we eat venison a lot around here. We do. Tacos, chili, yep. Yep. anything like that. And so you're like – you know why you do it, but you're like, how do I explain it in a way that they'll understand, and that won't sound bad? And that's, I think yep. that's where it all comes into play is – I think some people that do think they want to go do it or try it are scared. They're like, how much hate am I going to get? You know, how much yep. how much am I going to have to worry every day that when I say I can't go do this, I can't go to cookout and hang out with friends, or I can't go to this dance because I'm going to be going into a deer stand, or I'm going to be taking the dog to go bird hunt, or, you know, anything like that. I think it's it's a, some people make it a fear thing, and it can be very toxic in a friendship. And I've had to drop some friends because of how much they were hating on it. And it wasn't, I mean, I'm like, I know this is what I love to do and this is my passion, but why? Why Why do you do this to me? You know, and I think that's a big thing is you just kind of not can't be afraid of it. you got to embrace it and pray that they'll understand.
1: Right. Well, and, you know, the fact that, we have introduced young people like yourself to hunting and we haven't prepared you to have those conversations and and we weren't even prepared that you were going to get that kind of response you know my son killed a beautiful turkey fabulous i mean a huge big monster bird made a great shot it was a wonderful hunt and i said hey do you want to share this with some of your buddies, you know, we'll send them a picture because I was going to send you, I, I had the pictures on my phone.
2: Yeah. I
1: was going to send him the pictures. No, no. I mean, we live in middle Tennessee, right? It's mm-hmm. pretty darn rural here. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Na- Nashville's right up the road and it's a little bit urban, but we live in Spring Hill, Tennessee and you know, there's still a farmer's market and a co-op and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. We're, we're in the country and we're surrounded by country people. And he goes to school with kids that are pretty rural. He didn't want to share it. He won't show anybody. Hmm. And the reason that he won't show, show anybody is he was afraid of how they would view him, how he would be judged. And quite honestly, you know, I won't get into a bunch of psychology, <laughs> but but that that's psychological security. Right. That that emotional security. Is what we all seek. That's what we all seek in whatever group that we're in, whether yeah. we're a, a kayaking group or whether we're hunting or a fishing or, or whether, you know, quite honestly, whether it's we're going out and playing Pokemon Go, you know, I mean, whatever it is, we seek that identity and we seek that acceptance without judgment. And if we can't prepare young people to do that, to answer those questions, to uh, feel like they're doing the right thing, then shame on us. Yeah.
2: Well, Scott, that's a great place to end this segment. Look, can we uh, can we circle back around and do this again? Because we only got about halfway through this article. Or a quarter. Or a quarter, yeah. A quarter, yeah. <laughs> but I do hey, man, appreciate I can,
1: you. I've been doing it for 30 years, so I'm okay. passionate about it. I can talk about it all day, anytime you right. want to do something. We will Take get
2: back out. to you, Scott. Thank you very much. Talk to you later. Yes, sir. All right.
3: Welcome. Might as well jump back towards the water, South Carolina. <laughs> I still hate your music. It's all right. I, I, with, I don't think it's ever I can live change. with that. I, I don't think so.
0: <laughs> I, I really
3: don't. I promise y'all, the show with my bumper music will be coming very soon. As soon as I sit down and express my opinions.
2: Oh, you've got those.
3: And give some ideas. It'll, it, I'll save y'all. Don't worry about. It. You don't have to worry. You don't have to listen to that music for one second. Since show. you have
2: opinions, what do you think about the last two segments?
3: Oh my word, that was so a good. A lot to think about. That's a, that's a, it is a lot to think about, and it's a lot to digest and kind of make sense of on your own. That's one. That's that's gonna be one I'm gonna go back and listen to.
2: And we're gonna do more. We uh, talked off air, uh, actually over an hour. Uh, <laughs> sort of the total, and uh, we're gonna do some more with Scott. And actually, he was talking about. Do you think you could find a friend of yours who is not been exposed to the outdoors or hunting and fishing? And
3: I do think I could.
2: I and we're think. we're thinking about we're thinking about doing a a segment to see what it, what would it what appeals to them. Mm-hmm. What would make them want to try it? Which is an interesting concept. It's
3: gonna be a really good show.
2: <clears throat> anyway. Um, anyway. <laughs> Anyway, yes, yeah, I want to thank Scott for uh, taking time for his day. Um, hope you'll go and read that. The Northwoods Collective, um, the message of conservation failed. We'll, and we'll, we're going to get through that.
3: Because it's one we've got to really take time on. and We can't really rush it, article like this, because there's, no, there's a lot to think
2: about. There's a lot to think about. There is. What's the ice cream in your life?
3: Yeah, exactly.
2: <laughs> well, look, I, uh, I wanted to play this because it is, it is something that I heartily endorse. But the South Carolina Bob White Coil Initiative, the South Carolina Bob White Initiative, uh, Michael Hook posted a video on uh, Facebook, and it, it's pretty cool. So bear with me. We're going we're gonna to listen to it. It's about three minutes. Let's listen to this.
0: Hey, my name is Michael Hook. I work with the South Carolina Department of Natural Resources. I'm a small game biologist for the state also participate in the South Carolina Bob White initiative uh, technical committee I'm here to talk to you today about a, a pretty simple Bob white habitat management technique using uh, a bush hog but while it is really simple it's also one of the most difficult that you can that you can do um, so let me jump on real quick I'll demonstrate it and then we can talk about it get, get this Taylor.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's that's part that's part of the video folks
0: Now I know that doesn't seem that hard, but it is. You know, this time of year, you've got grasses and weeds growing in your old fields, on ditch banks, on roads, around your hunt club. Your neighbors are starting to mow. It's hard to put the bush hog up. But here's the thing, those birds, those bobwhites, all the other species that are ground nesters, uh, turkeys are using this habitat, the bobwhites are using this habitat, Pollinators, the butterflies, everything is using those weeds. It doesn't look like much, but that's a lot of uh, of good quality habitat that you're mowing down this time of year. You know, bobwhites are entering their, their peak nesting right now, June, July, is sort of South Carolina's peak nesting. They can nest all the way up into uh, October, but really, if if you lay off the bob- the <laughs> lay off of the uh, bush hog Oops. for you know at least till August. That goes a long way. That gives them a lot of habitat to use. They'll, they'll nest, they'll use it, they'll move on, and then you can go back to, to bush hogging. Um, you know, if you can't not bush hog, do it with a purpose. Think, okay, I need to do this part of this field right now. That's imperative. I can leave this other section okay for a little while. Um, bush hog one side of the ditch bank, but not the other. Uh, if you can transition over from using the bush hog to the disc and doing some winter disc and, and maintaining all your fields and such like that, so be it. That's even better. But at any rate, just be cognizant that while you're out there bush hogging this time of year, you may be mowing down good quality bobwhite habitat. So take that into under consideration. Good luck, and we'll talk to you soon. <laughs>
2: He gets in. if you look at if you look on Facebook, he gets on his tractor and you're like, "Okay, this is gonna be good, and he backs it into the shed and, and you hear the roll door come out <laughs> and but that is something that for probably the past three years we've done mm-hmm. now it came back to bite me because I let a year full year go by, and I had sweet gum sprouts that we had to hack and squirt oh, and get rid of and all that
3: It is so annoying,
2: but over the past, I'd say, four to five years, we have done no bush hogging before mid to late July. And then, of course, you know, it's hot. You have to do it early in the morning, late in the evening, um, or you get to steam during the middle of the day, and that's your own fault. But anyway, you do it when you can do it. But it's, it's been amazing, the the wildlife habitat, not just for Bob whites, and I actually have a, I have a nesting covey A wild nesting covey. Um, And I hear more whistles over the last few years, both in the spring and fall. You've heard them, Taylor. Mm -hmm. We ran up a covey of seven birds one day. Mm -hmm. And I can't help but think staying off that bush hog has helped. And it's tough. It's hard. (laughs) Because you you want it mowed just like your yard. You know, you want it mowed and nice looking and green and, you know, but habitat, sometimes the best habitat is not pretty. Sometimes the best habitat is just natural. So anyway, good message from the South Carolina Bob White Nation. Thank you, Michael Hook, for doing that. I had to chuckle and laugh. I watched it the first time. I'm like, oh, that's just smooth. Uh, um, I wanted to get to, uh, It's it's been out there, but you will, you will start seeing South Carolina shrimp for sale in the stores along the coast at Livingston's seafood in McClellanville. Because um commercial shrimp trawling officially opened Wednesday, May the twenty seventh. Georgia has not yet set an opening date. Uh, but in South Carolina Waters you can get out there. Um and uh it's, it's an offshore deal. You know they're off the coast. Let's see. Um let's look and see if there's anything really just an average year," said what uh, Mel Bell said. What started out looking like an accelerated year for spawning activity was likely slowed a bit by the unusual cool water temperatures in April, and um, you know it's about an average year, so we'll see. But uh, the white shrimp abundance this year should be above average, should be average or slightly better in core to previous years, and uh, yeah, you can. Uh, you start seeing them out there. While then you can go to wherever you want to go and pay twelve, thirteen dollars a pound for them. I give you a hint. Let's see if we call this a pro tip. You can go to McClellanville if you're down that way or the coast. I mean Charleston. They're probably six or seven pounds. But if you, normally in McClellanville you can pick up a fifty-pound box of, of fresh caught shrimp, and I mean like off the boat, fresh uh, for uh, four dollars a pound head you on. Know? And then you can have fun pinching heads off.
3: I love doing that. It's so much fun.
2: <laughs> and as, uh, as I'll tell you, a once-frozen shrimp is just as tasty as <laughs> a never-frozen shrimp. So there you go, pro tip for the day. Pro tip for the day. What you got, Taylor?
3: <laughs> well, I've got something a little different than the outdoors, but it's news. Yes. Um, as you all know, we spend our Friday and Saturday nights normally watching live PD. Well, there's there's some sad news. For people that do watch it, um, it's been canceled. And in addition to Live PD, after 33 seasons, Cops has been taken off, too. So.
2: You know, in my, in your mom warned me before I did this, came on the air today to uh, back it off. But you know, they've also take, taken away Elmer Fudd's gun.
3: They have. They've taken away Elmore Fudd's <laughs> gun
2: and that. And Yosemite Sam doesn't have a gun either.
3: Um, yeah. Uh,
2: you know, <laughs> we talked I don't know, did we did we talk emotion with Scott? I know after we got uh, a, off the phone we a talked little, a little bit about, yeah. about emotion and all. Uh, some, and for for better or for worse, all decisions are emotional. And uh but some emotional decisions are worse than others. And I think this is, look, did, did Elmer Fudd ever catch and shoot Bugs no. Bunny? No. That was the humor of it all. He had a gun. He, Bugs always outsmarted him. Yeah. Poor Elmer Fudd was the dumbest guy <laughs> out there. But that's what made it so much fun. Is because you knew Elmer sat there with a shotgun. He never he never got Bugs money.
3: And now he looks like the Grim Reaper with the... Because he's, he's got
2: a, he's around. got a, like a Sid a C- that you mow down hay with. Uh, so yeah, we've still got all the Acme stuff. We just don't have a... A gun. A gun. Yep. Which is <laughs> useless. Okay, quick. Got about a minute left. Go ahead. You got a pretty cool one over there. I do
3: have a really cool one. I love basketball, and this just kind of... I was like, oh, this is perfect. Michael Jordan actually caught a 442-pound Blue Marlin.
2: His team caught it. I don't know who reeled it. it in.
3: But he was on the boat participating. Yes. That right there just, and he was up in Moorhead City, North Carolina, for the Big Rock Blue Marlin Tournament. And that right there, $3 million prize money. Gracious me!
2: Uh, when, the, when the boat costs more than that, yeah, that's true. The prize money's got to be close.
3: <laughs> but that, just that right there, two of my favorite things mashed together: basketball and fishing. Just, it's perfect. It's the perfect mix. You don't understand how excited I am. <laughs> <laughs>
2: She's excited, folks. <laughs> oh me!
3: I mean, it's Michael Jordan. Come it's on. Michael Jordan.
2: Yes, the greatest.
3: The greatest. I give you that. Yep.
2: He and Joe Montana. <laughs> Oh, Roger Staubach. Oh, we could keep going with that one. But anyway, uh, <laughs> I hope you've enjoyed the show. Uh, appreciate you tuning in and listening. As always, we uh, have fun.
3: We do. Hope People you do,
2: too. And as always, make time to get out there.
3: Don't forget that camera.
2: Ah, you missed one. Take, Take the back roads when well, you that's can. Kind of a given. Okay. Well, anyway. <laughs> we'll be back next week with more Woods and Water, South Carolina. To hit me from behind do